You're listening to a message from Christ's Covenant Church, where we are growing together in Christ as a caring community of disciple-makers. Thank you for listening, and please feel free to share this with others who may find it helpful. You can open up your Bibles and your copy of the Scriptures to the book of John, chapter 15. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, we're going to look at a handful of verses from there, but hope that you had a good Thanksgiving, that you were able to enjoy time with family or friends, uh, that you were able to uh, even to take some time to express thankfulness to the Lord. That's something that we can never do enough, but I hope that that was a good uh, experience for you. And uh, we are about to shift into Christmas. Uh, next Sunday, we're even going to start an Advent series. We, we typically try to do this year by year, where we take the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day, and we set aside the normal text that we're going through and we focus on some theme or some part of scripture that directly speaks of Jesus coming into our world and either why he did it or what he was accomplishing as he did so. And so this year we are going to use the theme just to preview for a second. Uh, Starting next Sunday, we're going to use the theme joy to the world. Uh, We've been looking at this for a few months now and trying to plan out sermons and various things that are going to go on in the life of the church over the next month. And I'm really excited for this. Uh, We're wanting as we uh, dive into some of these texts in upcoming weeks to see, uh, pulling from this famous song, Joy to the World, we're wanting to see that the reason Jesus came into our world was to bring joy to all peoples, to all people groups all around the world, including Americans and including people of all ethnicities and nationalities, that he was truly coming to bring joy to the world. And so we're going to take time to look through a few key texts from the word that either show that heart of God for the nations and to bring joy to them, but also texts that are specifically about Jesus coming into our world as a baby, as a human being. Uh, we're even going to have one of our own missionaries, Chris Jones. I'm not sure if he's here today, but uh, he, he is going to even be preaching on December 9th. I'm excited for that. Uh, we'll have the Jared and Megan Hood share about what they're going to be doing in Tanzania starting uh, later in 2019 and beyond. And so you can look forward to those sermons. We're very excited to, to be able to open God's word and see how the coming of Jesus brings joy to the world. And so a couple things to just to preview that for you, to give you a heads up. We have these booklets even available today. Uh, they're geared towards families, uh, families with grade school kids or younger. Uh, but we also have a page in here that has just recommended readings that we would have. We have those on the bulletin each week to prep for the following Sunday. But we embedded those just all, I think it's on page 9 in here, if you're an adult or you're single or you would just like to read through it yourself, uh, certain passages that relate to the sermons. These are available. They're free. They're already printed out out at the Resource Center. would encourage you to grab one of those today. They're designed to start using next Sunday, but we wanted to give you a heads up, especially if you're a parent and want to look through some of the activities that we recommend in here and wanted to maybe buy a few things to be able to do those together. But those will start uh, being, we'd recommend to start using them next Sunday. We wanted to get them in your hands, make them available to you uh, even today. The other thing I wanted to note, and we've done this the last couple years, is we're going to have some tables starting next Sunday at the back of the auditorium. And we're going to have trees that have various little uh, paper ornaments on them for local ministries or even some things that you could help donate towards some of our missionaries who are going to be returning to the field uh, soon in the months ahead. And we're going to have those back at the back of the auditorium the next several weeks that you could look at and think, what might I be able to contribute to this person? Or what might be a gift I could buy for this person? And then bring it back here, and then we'll distribute it. But it's an opportunity for us to be generous with the gifts that God's given to us, the resources God's given to us to be generous in return to others. So you can look forward to that. Uh, plan to, to peruse that next Sunday. But have you found John chapter 15? We're going to look at verses 12 through 17 this morning um, before we pause for Advent in the weeks ahead. 
But this passage very much speaks of Jesus as our friend, or more accurately, us as Jesus' friends. That He says that he calls us his friends. And we're going to read this together here in just a moment. But I was thinking back as, as, of, over this theme of friendship with God. And I was remembering a song that I would sing probably hundreds of times growing up in the church that I went to. We would sing out of hymnals. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you grew up in the church, there's probably you have the same experience as me. There's often songs that you sang that the words just came out of your mouth and you never really realized the significance of what you were singing, the weight of what you were singing, the real depth of it. And one of those songs for me, and that's particular line in it, is called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I probably sang that song, I was estimating in my head, but definitely hundreds of times uh, because it was a favorite in the church that I grew up in. Uh, But it's a song really about prayer, if you read through the hymn, uh, but we often call hymns by the first line. And the very first line of that hymn, if you've never uh, gotten to sing it before, goes like this. The first stanza says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And though that song is about prayer, that first line I was thinking this week, I have sung that so many times. And when I would sing it as a kid, when I would sing it as a six-year-old or a 10-year-old or an 18-year-old or whatever, I, I had my limited sphere of friendships and I just thought they came easy and naturally. But as I've grown into adulthood and I've gotten to experience the joys of friendship, but also the, the hard sides of friendship when there's hurt or pain or when you have to separate uh, as, as I've realized the greatness of Jesus and I've realized the depth of sin in my life, to be able to say and sing that same line means way more to me now. What a friend we have in Jesus. And we're going to see from this text that that is not just an idea we conjure up ourselves, some wishful thinking that we can be friends with Jesus, but it's something Jesus said is true about us if we're trusting in him, if we're placing our faith in him. And so I want us to read this passage today, John 15, verses 12 to 17, and then we'll walk back through it, and we're going to see what a friend we have in Jesus. And before we end today, we're going to see what friends we have in each other, uh, because that's embedded in this text as well. So read along with me, listen, uh, pay attention to those two things. What a friend we have in Jesus, but also note at the beginning and end what friends we're to have in each other, that we're called uh, to befriend one another. So follow along, John 15, verses 12 through 17. The apostle John recorded this for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was there when Jesus said these things, and he records this now for us. Jesus says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. 
Now, this text is, is happening on the, la- the night before Jesus is to be arrested, the very night, actually, he's about to be arrested deep into that night, the very night before he's going to be put on trial and crucified less than 24 hours after he says this, he's going to be dead and laid in the tomb. This is on that Thursday night, that last week of Jesus' life, and we've been reading about that for the last several chapters from John 13. It'll go all the way through John 17 uh, and beyond, this last night of Jesus' life here on earth before he'd be crucified. And in this text, we see what a friend we have in Jesus. This probably happened that night as the night was dragging on, as as Jesus and his disciples were walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was going to pray in the very place that he was going to be arrested it's probably on that very walk and jesus is going to have some rich things to tell them about his relationship with them uh, that he calls them friends but notice at the beginning and end he's also calling them to relate to each other as he's saying how i have loved you you are to love one another how i've befriended you you are to befriend one another And friendship, I don't have to tell you, friendship is hard. It's difficult. And sometimes we feel rudderless or we don't know how to navigate it as as an adult, especially how do I befriend people. But Jesus tells us both things in this passage. He tells us how he has befriended us. And then he gives us guidance of how we are to befriend each other, how we're to relate to fellow Christians. And so I would summarize what we're going to see from this text this way this morning. If you're a note taker, you can maybe jot this down. That if you have been befriended by Christ, be a friend of Christians. If you have been befriended by Christ, be a friend of Christians. And so I want us to go first through this text and show primary respect in this text to see how Jesus is a friend to us. uh, how, How he has befriended us. But then before we're done, I would at least want to take a little bit of time to see what does that mean for us then as we seek to befriend each other. As we seek to love the same way that he has loved. So let's first walk back through this and see what a friend we have in Jesus. Now this passage is written and what's said, I, I should say it was said first to the t- 11 men that were there walking with him, right? Judas had left. There was those 12 men who had started. Now there's 11 left that night and they're probably walking to Gethsemane. Jesus first and foremost is speaking about his love for them, the way he's befriended them. That's the immediate context of what's going on. But we can read this. This was written for us. These the same things that Jesus is saying about his love and the way he's befriended his disciples could be equally said of us who are trusting in him, who are united with him. So we can read these and hear these things directed towards us as well. That's not an inappropriate thing to do. So let's see how Jesus has befriended them, how he has befriended us. The first thing I would show you from this text is that Jesus loves us. We could read right past that and totally miss it and have our eyes glance right by that and lose the significance of that. That he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We'll come back around to that love one another because that's how this text ends at the very end of it. But don't let your eyes miss that as I have loved you. If we're to know how to love each other, if we're to know how to befriend each other, we first, according to Jesus, have to know how he loved us. He says to love fellow Christians the way I've loved you. So that should click in our mind. We need to first know how he's loved us before we even try to love fellow Christians. And we need to understand it. And let that sink into your heart that he says, I have loved you. I have loved you. 
Love has been the predominant theme this night with Jesus' disciples. It's, it's the night as he's about to go to the cross. Even at the very beginning of this night, back in John chapter 13, the first couple of verses, John recorded, having loved his disciples, Jesus loved them to the end. And Jesus has had this depth of love for his men that he had been with. He had had this depth of love for all of his people who would come after them. He loves them. That has been a predominant theme of this night. And there are some friendships, there are some relationships we have. You could probably name some of them if you did a little inventory of people in your life that you're friends with or somewhat friends with. That we sometimes have friends that are friendships that are born out of necessity, don't we? Uh, there, I, I think a common one that came to mind is that when young men or women go to college, often if they don't have a roommate lined up in advance, they get thrown into the pot of people that get assigned a roommate. And sometimes those don't mesh well, but you need to, in some sense, become friends. Uh, you need to get along. You need to be kind to each other, show respect to each other. That is a friendship born out of necessity. You've got to do it. You've got to get along. We still have some friendships like that at times, whether it's coworkers or neighbors, extended family members, things like that that maybe you got to enjoy this week. Uh, we have friendships that are born out of necessity, but Jesus' friendship with us is born out of love. It's not something that he was obligated to do. It's not something that the Father told him to do, and he's just like, okay, I've got to do this. But he has this depth of love about him that it's a voluntary love. It's this association with sinners. And let that sink into you that who is he loving? When this you, this us that he's loving... He loves us. Like people who are rebels against him. People who, they were these men he's saying this to, that he said, I love you, are going to turn and run from him and deny him in less than a couple hours. And like when he looks at us, he sees men and women and children who are rebels against him, who disobey him, who disregard him, who, who set him aside for all sorts of other gods and people that we make the most important in our lives. Yet he loves us. That's what was motivating him to befriend us, to do what he says next, to lay down his life for us. And so we see that he loves us, and that's a remarkable thing in and of itself. But he loves us with a depth of love that is near impossible for us to comprehend. There's different ways in which we love people at times, right? There's almost like different levels at which we would say we love others or that they love us. And we're very aware often of how real deep a person's love for us is or how deep ours is for them. But Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. And so he's just said, I love you. But then he wants to make clear the depth of his love. He's saying there is no greater love that a person could demonstrate or have for another human being than that they would be willing to lay down their life for them. And, he's, and though he's talking about though someone laid down his life for his friends, it is very obvious he's talking about himself. That he's saying, I am about in a few hours to lay down my life for you. Like that's the type of love that I have for you. It's not some trivial fleeting kind of I, I got to do this type of love. It is a love that will lay down my life for you. That is the depth of love that I have for you. This is a voluntary love of Jesus towards us, towards his disciples, people who are sinners and rebels against him. But he's saying that he has love that is willing to lay down his life. 
And we, we're aware of this in our friendships, aren't we? There's small tokens and gestures that we give to other people to show friendship, right? We give some nice compliment, or we give a hug, or we send them a text to let them know we're thinking of them, or we give them a phone call. We, we, we have small gestures of friendship often in our culture, but Jesus is trying to raise the bar and say the greatest, grandest gesture of friendship you can possibly imagine is someone being willing to lay down their life, and that's the type of love I have for you. So think of someone in the military who's in combat and a grenade, a live grenade falls around them and their fellow soldiers. Someone who's willing out of love in a moment to say, I will jump on that thing and give my life so that these brothers can live. Like that's the type of love that Jesus is starting to try to have us imagine. That's how I love you. Like I'm willing to die for you. I I was thinking this week back a couple years ago, to a story down from Indianapolis where my former prince elementary school principal, her name was Susan Jordan, she was a principal, and there was this, after school one day at her elementary school, there was this bus that had gone over the curb and was coming towards kids, her very students from her school, and she shoved them out of the way and was hit by the bus and died herself. So that those children could live. That's the type of love Jesus is starting to try to get our minds to say, I am willing to die for you. But his death was worse. His death was not for sweet little kids like who we want to have long life. His death was for sinners. His death was for rebels and people who had disregarded him. And his death was way worse than getting blown up by a grenade or getting hit by a bus. It was bearing the wrath of God upon the cross for our sin. The the eternal, infinite judgment that should be upon us was put upon him on the cross. And Jesus saying, that's how much I love you. I love you to that degree. And Jesus wants them to feel that weight, that there's no greater love you can imagine, and that's the type of love I love you with. So we see that he loves us, and he loves us with the greatest of love. And he, he calls them, he used the word friends, didn't he? We see that in verse 13 for the first time. And Jesus, in the next couple verses, clarifies what this friendship is like. And it's important for us to listen into this. Uh, He clarifies what this friendship he has with his disciples is like. Because we have certain ideas that come to our mind about what it means to be friends with a person. Because of how we have friends in our culture as we grow up or as we enter into adulthood and, and go on in life. We have certain ideas of how we think of friends. And Jesus is going to clarify a few things for us that we need to listen into when we think of him as our friend. So he he loved us. But look at verse 14. I would also note to you in this friendship that Jesus commands us. Did you note that? He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Our friendship with Jesus is not like our friendships with each other. Like, our friendships with each other are typically with equals. They're they're typically with peers that we get to enjoy things with, that we get to to delight in certain things with, or do together, watch together, experience together. We, We are peers. We are equals when we think of friendships. And sometimes we may be tempted when we hear Jesus say things like, you are my friends. We may be tempted to start to to think of him that way. Like, you guys have maybe seen some of these things that are on shirts or on different places where it developed a couple of decades ago where people say the phrase, Jesus is my homeboy. 
Have you guys seen these before? People, that's like on t-shirts and things like that, that people wear them kind of as jokes or trivial things. And it's this idea that Jesus is just my buddy. Like he's just my pal. He's just, just my, my homeboy. And that is the farthest thing from what Jesus is trying to say when he calls us friends. It's just that we're peers. He says that you, I am going to give you commands and you are to obey them. Yes, we are friends. Like, he's going to return to that. We are friends who know each other intimately, but let's not be mistaken in this. I give you commands, and you do what I say. Like, he does not mince words about that. He says, the only way you are my friends is if you do what I command you to do. And so if you are not doing what Jesus commands, if that does not mark your life, Jesus would not call you his friend. Jesus would not say that you have befriended him. If you go back earlier in this evening, back to John chapter 13, verse 13, right? if you remember when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, do you remember back in that chapter, he said this to these same disciples that he's calling friends now. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, Lord, like master, and you are right, for so I am. So Jesus has already said that about himself. Even as now he calls them friends, he's already established with them, I'm your Lord. Like, I am the one you are to obey and to follow. So Jesus in this friendship commands us to obey. And I would call upon you, if you are someone in this room that can hear my voice, who has never obeyed Christ, the the first thing, the, the core thing that he would call you to obey and to continue to obey till you die is to repent of your sins and to believe in him as your savior. That is the first and ongoing thing that he calls you to obey, is to repent of your sins and trust in him as your savior, the one that died for those sins and was raised from the dead and who can give you eternal life. And if you have never obeyed Christ, may you start doing so today. May you do those core commands, obey those core commands that Jesus gives to you. Repent of your sins, believe in Christ. And if you do, and when you do, you are a, it's a sign that you are a, now a friend of Jesus that he has changed you, that he has taken you who were an enemy and made you a friend, taken you who were a servant, as we're going to see, maybe coldly doing what he told you to do, and now you are a friend. And so our life then, whether you have just done that today or whether you have done that decades ago where you've obeyed that command of Christ to repent and believe, our lives then, as his friends, are to be marked by ongoing obedience to him. It's not just that we do that once and kind of draw a line in the sand and then we can just live how we want and we just kind of got him as our friend over here for when we need him, when we die. He is our friend, but he is our Lord and must be our Lord. Like we are to obey him through and through. And we don't obey him to get his friendship. We do it because we have it. D.A. Carson said that this obedience is not what makes them friends. It is what characterizes his friends. And that must be true in our life, that we are men and women and children who are obeying our friend Jesus, who who are not taking him for granted, but who are doing what he calls us to do. But if we just stopped at verse 14, we may think of this friendship as this cold uh, kind of, well, he commands us, we just do what he says, and and that's that, and there's no heart, there's no love, there's no, no personal side to this relationship. And Jesus wants to make that very clear 
in verse 15, that he doesn't just command us in this relationship, this friendship, but he invites us in to truly know him in this friendship. In verse 15, you can note this, that he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. So Jesus would never want these men in that room or would never want us to think of our friendship with him as this cold kind of authoritarian, I tell you what to do and you just do it. And that's how we're friends. He calls us to obey him, but he also says, you are not just a servant to me. Like you are not just some man or woman or kid that I just have to do my bidding and I have no regard for. I love you. And he says that the difference between a servant who does what the, the one in charge says, and the friend who does what the one in charge says, is that the, the master reveals himself to that person. He lets that person in. He, he shows them certain things about himself and why he's wanting them to do this. He, that's why he says that the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. It's just this mysterious, detached, cold thing. But he says, I have made known to you all that my Father has told me. He, he's giving us insight. He's given us the Bible to know the thoughts of God. He, he's given us the Holy Spirit to live within us and to get to know us and let us get to know Him in ways that we never would have otherwise. And that's the type of friendship He has with us. Yes, we're commanded and must obey, but we're also invited to know Him, to know His heart, to know what, what fuels Him. He has spent years with these disciples telling them truth and letting them into to who he was and why he'd come. And he does the same to us. He doesn't leave us at arm's length, but he wants us to know him and invites us to know him and to continually reveal himself to us by his word. And that is a privilege that we ought to never take lightly. So he, command, he loves us. He commands us. He invites us in to know him. But I want to point out as we go on into to the... The end of 15 and end of verse 16, another thing about our friendship with Jesus that is really important for us, and we could misunderstand this, but really important for us to note is that Jesus initiates the friendship with us. It's not the other way around. Like Jesus initiates the friendship with us. I would note a few things in this passage. Look at verse 15, for example. We already read this, but I want to go back and point it out to you. Who calls who friends in this passage? Jesus says, I have called you friends. Like he is the one who is choosing who will become his friend. It's not just that this free for all, like, hey, anybody want to be my friend? And, like, and, like, and whoever wants to can be my friend. Jesus calls his disciples friends. And if, if that was mysterious to us or unclear to us, I don't know how more clear you can be in verse 16. Jesus says explicitly, this is not us making this up. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus says that to his disciples. He would say to us, if you are my friend, if you've been invited in to friendship with me, it is because I chose you to be my friend, not because you chose me to be yours. And that may feel heartless to us. That may feel cold to us. And we may connect dots in our head and say, well, if he chooses us to be his friends, that means he doesn't choose these people. And we can get into all these hard places and, and difficult teachings. And, and if we had 
far more time to talk about. I would dive into those things. There's parts of the word that are very clear about this. But Jesus speaks of this positively here. And he says, I chose you. And friends, that is good news that he chose us. Because if you read the Bible, there is no one who is going to befriend God left to themselves. There's no one, none of us, not me, not you, none of us left to ourselves are going to come to Jesus and say, I want you as my friend. I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. The Bible is crystal clear on this. None of us would do that. And so if he never had chosen us, if he had never looked over humanity and said, I want him to be my friend. I want her to be my friend. I want them to be my friend. None of us would be friends with him. But he has chosen us. He, he has looked upon us, not because we're great and good. He has looked upon us and said, I want you as my friend. I want you as my friend. Like, I want you as my friend. Come be friend with me. Like, be part of the, the loving relationship that I have with the Father and the Spirit. Come be friends with me and with us. And that is good news for us. I was thinking of... Uh, people that are celebrities in our culture, uh, people who are loosely known by all sorts of fans and people. I always think this is funny, how people desperately want to be friends with that person. Like, man, if they just got to know me, like, we could be buddies and, like, we could be friends. And then when they somehow get around that person out in public, that the person just blows right by them. And we often think that we can just be friends with whoever we want, no matter how great that person is, no matter how how wonderful that person is. And we like to think, well, I could just be friends with Jesus if I want to. But the only way you can be friends with Jesus is if he befriends you. If he says, I want you as my friend. And in saying that, and in Jesus saying this, I, I would not want us to misunderstand this and think that the fact that he chooses us to be his friends, that he calls us friends, he would not want us to connect dots and think, well, in my experience then, that means I have no choice. Like, I have no, no will in this whatsoever. Like, we, in a, in a limited sense, we still do choose Jesus, right? Like, he brings the good news to us that I died for you, I was raised for you, believe upon me and you can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life and the Holy Spirit. He, he calls us to respond to him. And in our experiences, we look at the world and we've had that come into our ears. We do, we better choose to put our trust in him. Like we better choose to have him as our friend and as our savior. But what Jesus would point out is if we do, if we choose that, if we put our trust in him, it is because he chose us first. Jesus said back in John chapter 6 that no one comes to him unless the father draws him. And if, if we have been befriended by Christ, if in our experience we've heard the good news and we have chosen to believe upon Jesus, may we look behind that and prior to that and see that God moved in our heart first. That he chose us first. And may that increase our gratefulness and our awe and wonder that he would befriend us. Because we would never befriend him if it was just left to us ourselves. And the last thing I'll point about Jesus as our friend before we think of our friendships with each other is that Jesus, in this text, we see that he endures as a friend. So he loves us. He lays down his life for us. He commands us. He invites us in. He chooses us. But we also see that he endures as a friend. In our friendships, we often have friendships fizzle out, don't we? Either just because we're distanced from each other or because there's 
hurt or animosity, division there. But we do not often have friends that endure. But Jesus says that he chose us and appointed us that we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should abide. That, that phrase abide, Pastor Larry did wonderful of showing us from um, earlier in this conversation about how Jesus talked about how we need to be connected to the vine of Christ and abide in him and how he's going to help us bear fruit, the same life that he lived that's going to start to come out in us. And Jesus is saying here to his friends that he's appointing them to go bear fruit and bear fruit that will abide, that will last. And what's implied in that is that Jesus isn't just a friend right now. He's not just a friend who laid down his life and then just kind of leaves us on our own, but he calls us to abide in him and says that I am calling you to to bear fruit, to live lives that are going to last, to have fruit in your lives that are going to last. And behind all this are these promises he's made of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to come and dwell in us and empower us to obey. And Jesus does not leave us as friends wondering where he is or what he's doing or what he's up to, but he gives us the Holy Spirit who's going to press out that fruit in us, who's going to give us that fruit that abides in our life. So he is present with us. He empowers us by the Holy Spirit. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? That, that he loves us in this way, that he would serve us in this way, undeserving people, and call us friends. Before we're finished today, I want to see how this passage is bookended at the beginning and at the end, and at least briefly point this out to us, because the reason Jesus is describing this friendship here in this paragraph, at least, in this part of the conversation, isn't just so we can revel in, man, what a friend I have in Jesus, and to stop there. He starts this passage by saying, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. And at the end of this passage, he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Like Jesus wants us, as we understand the depth of friendship and relationship he's given to us, he wants us to turn around and show that same type of love as best as we're able to other fellow Christians. If we've been befriended by Christ, we're to be friends of Christians. We're to love fellow Christians. So I want to point out very briefly a couple ways that we can do that. Remembering the love that we just talked about, that he's shown to us, what are ways we can seek to love fellow Christians, to love the brothers and sisters right around us here? A few things I would know in following in the footsteps of Jesus. One is that we should be people who initiate friendships with fellow Christians. Like Jesus was the one who initiated the friendship with us, right? He was the one who came into this earth. He was the one who laid down his life. He was the one who gives that invitation and draws us in as his friends. And we ought to be people, as we look around at fellow Christians, that are not sitting on our hands waiting for the perfect friend to come to me. Like, we do that often in our life. We, we look around and think, man, nobody's a good friend to me. Or like, I wish I had better friends who could serve me in this way or who could do this for me to help me in this way. But we need to be people who are looking around saying, who can I befriend? I'm not called, Jesus doesn't command us to receive love in this passage. He commands us to give it. 
to, to seek out people in this church, to seek out people in your life group, to seek out believers that are around you that you can befriend, that you can initiate a relationship, even if they don't seem super interested in it uh, with you, a friendship with you, that you can pursue a relationship and say, I want to find ways to serve this brother. I want to find ways to serve this sister. I want to initiate friendships with them. And some of you don't have anyone in your life that is like that. I would encourage you, seek it out. Don't just wait for it to materialize and pray and pray and pray for it and then do nothing to try to find it. Like, get into a life group. We would love to connect you with brothers and sisters in Christ that are are seeking to follow him. And if you're already in one and feel disconnected, lean into it and try to pursue those people and say, how can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? And they may be slow to respond, but be like Christ in pursuing it. Say, I want to be that type of friend that pursues fellow Christians. So we should initiate friendships. We should sacrificially give of ourselves in friendships with fellow Christians. Jesus says that his love is demonstrated in his willingness to lay down his life for his friends. And though I doubt that many of us will be called to actually lay down our actual physical life for the Christians in our lives, can we not do things that are lesser versions of that? Where we say, man, I am willing to lay down this hour because I know my friend is discouraged. And I had these other plans, but I'm willing to talk with him. I'm willing to talk to her. Can we not lay down some of our, our financial resources that God has given to us and say, I want a sacrifice of what I had thought I was going to use this for, and I want to give towards either this person or towards the collective cause of what God is doing through our church body. Can we not give up time from our work, time from our hobbies, time from our football games we want to watch to to love people and listen to them and spend time with them? Can we not be people, ought we not be people who are willing to lay down our lives in these lesser versions, but lay down our lives to show love for our fellow Christians? We need to do this proactively, like in a willful choice of how we spend our time, but reactively too. If things come up, things you didn't plan, things you didn't anticipate with a friend, be willing to forego the plans you have and be willing to engage with them and to serve them. We should be oriented our friendships to giving to others as opposed to getting for ourselves. Like the world will approach friendships with what can I get out of this? What can I gain for myself, make myself feel better, get people to serve me in certain ways? A Christian should love fellow Christians in a way that is oriented. What can I give to this brother? What can I give to this sister? How can I help them? So we should sacrificially engage. We should, as Christians, we should be people who lead in our friendships in what I would call self-disclosure. Jesus says that he, he didn't leave people as servants in his life who were just coldly kind of distant from him, but he opened himself up. He, he let them know things about himself, the things that he was thinking that the Father and him had processed together and planned together. He invited people in to know him, and we ought to be people who do the same with our Christian friends, that we're willing to say, because we are loved by God already, completely loved by him uh, as we open up to him that ought to give us this freedom to open up ourselves to other people to express our sins and our struggles with them to express our insecurities our vulnerabilities we ought to be willing to do that and let people into us and know who we are 
And lastly, I would say this, that we should help our fellow Christians, as we think of loving each other, we should have an orientation to help each other grow in godliness. Jesus said that he appointed his friends that they should bear fruit, and that fruit should abide. We often think of friendships as something just to, like, have a buddy to go do something with. Like somebody, or somebody that can make me feel good about myself. Somebody that I can, can just kind of spend some time with. And we, we get, uh, sometimes in our friendships, we even get enamored with each other. Like, I think you're such and such, and you're such and such, and we kind of benefit each other. Like, we enjoy time together, and you benefit me this way, I benefit you this way. But there's been several authors that have talked about that I've read from C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller, some others, who, who they talk about friendship in this way, and I may have mentioned this before in another sermon, but they talk about friendship in this way, that if you think of romantic love, that's a love where people should face each other, in a sense, and delight in each other. Like, I really appreciate this about you. Oh, I appreciate this about you. I admire this about you. Isn't that sweet? I admire this about you. Friendship should be a a relationship in which you both are facing something outside of yourself. Or you are looking at a person or a thing or an experience that is outside of you that you both can enjoy together. And that is what Christian friendship should be, that we don't just look at each other and, man, I love spending time with him. He made me laugh. He, he made me feel this way. She made me feel this way. But as friends, we should have an orientation to look to Christ together. That he is greater than anything in this world, and let's delight in him together, and let's help each other grow in godliness, grow to be more like him. That is what friendship should be. Not just this superficial delighting in each other, but delighting in Christ and helping each other grow in obedience to him. We are called to love each other by Jesus in this passage. We are commanded by Jesus in this passage to love each other. But before he commands us to love each other, he calls us to know how we have been loved by him. And what a friend we have in Jesus. And may we be great friends for one another. Amen.